Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us again. Hope to have a good, entertaining, and winning show for you. I want to thank uh, Mike Battaglia and Amy Owens last week giving us all the inside information from Keeneland. Mike did a pretty good job handicapping. Uh, I know I ran into him on uh, Friday. Most of the races we picked uh, for our winning pony show were Saturday races. But on Friday, the two stakes, he nailed both winners in his paddock show. So he was giving me some grief saying, hey, how come you didn't pick these races? But uh, anyhow, we did the, uh, I guess what you would call Keeneland Super Saturday card, all those uh, Breeders' Cup win in your in races uh, that we'll be reviewing uh, during the show. And, of course, uh, Amy did a great job telling us about all the happenings down at Keeneland. There's something going on every single day. Uh, This week, our first guest is going to be the co-founder of the Thoroughbred Daily News, Sue Finley. Uh, Sue has an amazing background in racing. There's almost nothing that she hasn't done. And I think you'll find her highly entertaining. And if you don't uh, get online with TDN, as they call it, the Thoroughbred Daily News, I think you're going to want to after you uh, hear of all they, they have to offer people that are interested in thoroughbred racing. And then our handicapper of the week, you've heard him on these airwaves quite a few times, and that is Johnny Mac. John McDoolan will be with us. Uh, John, of course, has uh, been a, a, a track man and a columnist for the Daily Racing Forum, I think since he started to shave. But uh, we're going to cover races uh, from Keeneland to Belmont Park. And then in John's backyard, I know he's very familiar with the horses up at Thistledown, uh, covering the Ohio racing scene. He also does Indiana, Presque Isle, and uh, northern Kentucky. And a lot of these horses race there. This is kind of their... Uh, let's say, statewide Breeders' Cup. It's called Best of Ohio. And what's nice to see is uh, that all the purses for all the Best of Ohio races have been kicked upwards. So very happy to hear that. And hopefully when things get going with the racinos and casinos in Ohio, you're going to see a lot more horses migrating there uh, because I definitely know that the purses are going to be going upward as the Best of Ohio shows us. Well, some rather questionable news, but sad to say, uh, uh, Gogo Garrett Gomez uh, took off six riding assignments at Santa Anita Park. As you know, we've been in the news and on these airwaves that uh, he has uh, been having some struggles. Uh, his uh, agent Tony Matos is telling us that he's going through some personal problems. And he said that he didn't want to ride for a while. I, I guess he uh, missed the plane and uh, and did make it uh, to, to the West Coast. And I know two of the horses he was scheduled on uh, were winners. He was riding very well at, at Keeneland, including some stakes wins. And uh, uh, what can I say, since he began riding back in 88, he's won over 3,700 races. His horses have won over $205 million. And uh, we just hope that, uh, that things work out well for him. So... Uh, Gogo is going to be on the sidelines for a while, and our prayers uh, go out to him. We know that he's had some struggles. Uh, well, uh, coming up, uh, races we won't be uh, capping, but uh, you might want to mark down to watch. Uh, starting uh, tomorrow, Keeneland will have the $100,000 uh, Buffalo Trace. Uh, 
Uh, there's going to be two graded stakes races uh, at Belmont, the Athenia and the Knickerbocker. We chose the the, the Knickerbocker. It was a tough toss-up, but it had a slightly larger field. And then we'll be doing the QE2 Challenge, uh, the grade one. Very nice race uh, down at Keeneland. And, of course, uh, if you're looking for a slew of horses that have all raced against each other, so you're comparing apples to apples, uh, the Best of Ohio, again, is happening up in the Cleveland area. And uh, don't forget that this is Columbus Day weekend. Some of you will be off work, and if you're going to a uh, track or a parlor, there's a $200,000 pebble stakes at Belmont Park and uh, up at uh, Hastings in British Columbia. They got Canadian graded stakes races. Uh, Santa Anita has the Tim Conway stakes, $100,000 up for grabs. So that's what you got race-wise coming up over the weekend, some of the top ones. Anyhow, well, here's a surprise, I have to admit. Hanson, who just stood his first year at Stud, the two-year-old champion of 2011 and winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile back then, has been sold to South Korea. We've been informed by Dr. Kendall Hanson, who's been a guest on Winning Ponies. He's a now a four-year-old son of Tappet. He began his season at Ashford Stud, um, kind of a surprise, but Hansen has already left for Korea. Uh, Hansen told us that the government's uh, trying to really go full throttle, trying to improve uh, the racing industry. Uh, also over uh, the Korea Racing Association is Rock Hard 10, who formerly stood at uh, Lane's End, and uh, Chapel Royale by Montbrook, who stood at Signature Stallion. So uh, very interesting that the millionaire Hansen, of the good-looking white horse who once had his tail painted blue is now going over to Korea. Well, uh, get out your checkbook if you want to breed to Warfront next year. His stud fee is being increased from 80000 to 150000 Also, a Claiborne First Samurai who had a good year is going to go from ten to fifteen. Uh Let's face it, Warfront, uh, you know, the the uh, sales this time of year pretty much uh, tell you what you can do with your stud fee. He had a great deal of success this year, both on the track and in the sales ring. He had 15 stakes winners, including eight new stakes winners, uh, Group 1 English winner, Declaration of War, uh, English Group 2 War Command, and then Departing, Lines of Battle, Summerfront, Jack Milton, to name a few. So uh, $150,000 if you want to get to Warfront. Well, uh, Julie Crone is still getting honors. It looks like she's going to be among nine women named as inductees to the National Women's Hall of Fame in Seneca Falls, New York. It was founded back in 1969. Of course, uh, Crone uh, retired with more than 3,700 winners, uh, still the leading female thoroughbred horse racing uh, jockey of all time. Of course, she made history back in 93. Uh, Julie was the first woman to win a Triple Crown event. It was Colonial Fair in the Belmont Stakes. And then she was the first woman to win a Breeders' Cup race aboard half-bridled in the Juvenile Phillies. And, uh, of course, she also won the Pacific Classic aboard Candy Ride. She retired, went into TVG, came out of retirement, and uh, now she's going to be inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. And, of course, you can go to www.greatwomen.org to find out more if you wanted to attend. Well, uh, things are shoring up after last week, and we'll be talking to John McDoolin about the uh, 
outcome of many of these Breeders' Cup win and your end races. Uh, looks like uh, Game On Dude, if they made the morning line today, might get the nod by the odds maker as the favorite. It looks like right now a dozen runners are going to be pointing for the uh, the five million mile and a quarter classic, including five horses who ran in the race just last year. Um, so the first four finishers are going are going to be lining up, and then uh, of course we got the round round the Greek should be there uh, after his big upset last week. So. Uh, it's really shaping up to be one heck of a Breeders' Cup Classic. Of course, all the Breeders' Cup races uh, will be uh, uh, very evenly matched with the horses that are going to show up. Uh, one race we didn't get to cover uh, at Keeneland last week was the Spinster and Emollient. I uh, recall uh, last time she ran at Keeneland, she uh, pretty much went wire to wire in the central back Ashland Stakes. Well, this time, things didn't go as planned initially. Uh, it was a rainy day. She came out of the gate not very well, and uh, Mike Smith uh, kind of said, well, let's go to plan B. Now, again, the spinster, she was a three-year-old taking on older horses for the first time. Uh, they dropped pretty far back and just came rolling through the lane. Emollient, uh, trained by Bill Mott, is... Uh, a runner for Judmont Farm, who sponsors the the spinster, or have been since 2005, but they never won the race, so they can't say that anymore. The daughter of Empire Maker, out of the Touch Goldmare Soothing Touch, got the job done with Mike Smith in the saddle. Uh, let's take a look now at uh, some more racing news. Uh, recent, I believe, the last Breeders' Cup win in your in, the Jessamine at Keeneland will send another Ramsey horse to the Breeders' Cup. Kitten Caboodle, a kitten's joy, unbelievable. The only maiden in a field of 10 two-year-old fillies got through and got home, so it looks like uh, Ramsey's going to have a, another free trip to California, and uh, he's got uh, quite a barn full there. And uh, like I said, uh, Coming up after this break, uh, Sue Finley's going to be with us, and uh, Barry Wiseboard just was selected to receive the Galbraith Award. Of course, uh, she works uh, very closely with him at the Thoroughbred Daily News, so I'm sure uh, everybody associated uh, with that publication is, is happy to hear that uh, he got the John Galbraith Award for Entrepreneurship. Well, let's go right now and take a look at some of the races we handicapped last week with uh, with Mike Battaglia. Again, we kind of keyed in on Keeneland, uh, uh, starting with the Woodford, and the, the winner in there was none other than Garrett Gomez aboard Havelock. Now, Havelock, they shipped him over to Europe after his uh, North American campaign and didn't do well, didn't hit the board, but he's a horse for a course at Keeneland. Now five starts on the Keeneland turf, three wins, and if you go back two years, he won the Woodford Stakes at Keeneland. Uh, second was expecting cash, and third was spring to the sky. Uh, then we went on to the Thoroughbred Club of America, and there were a lot of oohs and ahs in there as Groupie Doll, who just looked absolutely fantastic in the paddock, uh, 
was racing six furlongs. Now, you remember now, she's making her 20th lifetime start. She'd only raced six furlongs twice in her life and couldn't get it done. Judy the Beauty, who was Mike Battaglia's upset pick in here, got the job done with Johnny V, uh, was uh, first by one. Uh, finishing second was Gypsy Robin and Groupie Doll, who looked like she was making a huge move on the turn, just ran out of real estate. I do believe plans are for her to continue on to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, then we had the First Lady, and this was a race to be seen, but not to be seen by anybody that was at Keeneland because a storm came that was just absolutely unbelievable. You could hardly see them all the way around. I, I don't know how the track announcer did it, but on top was Julian Le Peru aboard Better Lucky, and uh, he was held off. It was uh, Day at the Spa who uh, won the, the Queen Elizabeth last year. He was the, the favorite. Day at the Spa it was a very game race down through the lane. Uh, for the third spot was Daisy Devine, who's no stranger at Keeneland and will be sold there in just a few weeks. Then we got up to the Dixiana Breeders Futurity, and what do you know? A Ken and Sarah Ramsey horse at nine to one got sent away. It was Johnny V in the saddle, paid twenty one eighty. This one trained by Todd Pletcher. So look for We Miss Artie to be at the Breeders' Cup. And then we rounded out uh, the afternoon with the Shadwell Turf Mile. All eyes, of course, were on Horse of the Year, Wise Dan, who was sent away at 1-2. to two. Again, the rains were still coming down very hard. Silver Max, we said this is the horse that's going to be on the front end, and Silver Max with Robbie Alvarado in the saddle was on the front end the whole way around. That's right, Wise Dan, who put in a threatening move, ended up running second, uh, three and a half lengths ahead of Wilcox in. So had a couple major upsets at Keeneland, and a uh, quick look at some of the races uh, in New York. Uh, it was uh, the Jamaica handicap, went to the 11, up with the birds, who flew like a bird, came from ninth to get up by a half a length. And then on the fast mile, the Frizette, the winner was Artemis Atagoria, a New York bred, broke its maiden by 11 and three quarters and came back under Jose Lescano to take the Frizette over Sweet Reason, the odds-on favorite, who swerved in sharp at the break, came from last, and ended up in second. And then at Belmont Park, again, it was hard to see, uh, but uh, one of the biggest efforts of the day was by number five, Honor Code, but uh, could not get by Havana. A $575,000 son of Dunkirk, trained by none other than Todd Pletcher. Havana now two for two. Winning you're in. I think you'll see that horse out at Santa Anita. Uh, as well as Honor Code ran. I mean, he came flying. Broke awkward. Was eight wide in the stretch. He has going to bypass the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, according to Shug McGahee. He's not going to go to the Breeders' Cup. He says, hey, this horse is just too good to try to squeeze another race out. This way we can relax, stay in New York, point for the Remsen, go two turns a mile and an eighth, then we'll come back. Of course, honor code out of the last crop of the great sire, AP Indy. Well, we'll be talking breeding, racing, and reading with Sue Finley from the Thoroughbred Daily News. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is a friend I had the chance to work with Almost 28 years ago when we did a television production together, her name is Sue Finley, and she's been there and done that. You often hear the term renaissance man. She is a renaissance woman. There's not much in this world she hasn't done, and one of the highest educated people I think I've ever had on on winning ponies. I won't go into uh, all of her uh, scholarship programs and and college uh, accomplishments, but I will say that uh, she uh, worked at she worked at Naira. She worked on ABC's Wide World of Sports, and uh, then what brought her to where she is today in '93? She and uh, Barry Wiseboard uh, took over the production of the Thoroughbred Daily News. Uh, of course, as a, as a writer, her work has appeared in USA Today, the New York Daily News, what used to be the Thoroughbred Record, and uh, the Blood Horse, among others. And she's been a producer for numerous ESPN horse racing telecasts. Sue, I hope I hit most of the high points. God, John, we're really old. That's what this makes me realize when I hear you say all that. We're really old. (laughs) 
but accomplished, you know. Sooner or later, we'll win an award. They say, why'd you win an award? I say, because I lived long enough. <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely. Not, not because I did anything special. Well, uh, uh, amongst the many things uh, that I mentioned and didn't mention, what got you to the point in your life where you are today as the, the, the co-publisher of the Thoroughbred Daily News? You know, actually, it was um, it was too much travel, to be honest with you. I was working on ABC's Wide World of Sports, and I would, when when Jim McKay would say we span the globe in a constant variety of sport, he wasn't kidding. I would literally wake up in the morning and not know where I was and have to turn on the television to find out. We traveled every single week, 52 weeks a year, and... One of the things that we broadcast on Wide World was the American Championship Racing Series. I don't know if you remember that, but it was a series of ten races that Barry Whiteboard had come up with for older horses. And they started out in Florida in February, and they ended up in New York in September. And to me at that time, ten trips sounded so much better than 52. And, uh, and I went to Barry and I said, please, you know, hire me to do this. And, and he did. So Barry and I uh, worked on that for three years, and uh, in 1993, unfortunately, uh, some you know political problems uh, put it out of business, and uh, and we bought the Thoroughbred Daily News. At the time, we had 120 subscribers, and it was published every day only on the fax machine as a three-page black and white fax. And wow. today we have 11,000 worldwide readers, uh, and it's uh, done in a multimedia format with video and all sorts of uh, bells and whistles, as they say. Well, I, I think I might have told you in one of my communications uh, just last week, I was uh, with uh, Ray Pollock, of course, the, the founder uh, of the Pollock Report, and uh, he just said in passing as we're having lunch, he goes, well, if there's one thing I read every day, it's the Thoroughbred Daily News. So, you know, you, you, you've got uh, all kinds of people throughout the industry reading you. Uh, when I was at the recent Keeneland sale, there was hardly a person I didn't see that went by with, with uh, an addition tucked away uh, in, the, in their catalog. Of course, it's it's highlighted prominently in the press box at Keeneland. My question is, how many paper boys do you have? <laughs> well, we have uh, we we employ about twenty two people full time, um, about nineteen in our office in Red Bank, one in South Africa, and two in England. And uh, any day, anywhere in the world that there's a horse sale, we photocopy and distribute copies of the paper whether it's in uh, South Africa, Australia, Japan, New Zealand, or right there in Kentucky. Uh, you can walk onto a sales grounds, and one of our employees will hand you a copy of the TDN. So well, they're uh, everywhere, and, and it, it's appealing to the eye. And what I want to do is I want to introduce uh, our, our listeners here uh, on, on Winning Ponies, again, where we're talking with Sue Finley from the Thoroughbred Daily News, as to... Uh, to what they'll see when they get there. You know, it's one thing just to be a handicapper, but I think the, once you get immersed in this sport, uh, you, you want to kind of take it, the, you know, the next step beyond, uh, such as, you know, interest in a horse like Honor Code being from the last crop of AP Indy. And it seems like you, you, you offer people a, a large menu when they pull up your site. Yeah, you know, we like to say that we are the Wall Street Journal of the thoroughbred racing industry. And, and what that means to us is if you own buy, breed, or sell, or are involved in any way in the commercial industry, you have to read us every day in order to do your job right and to know what your investments are worth. 
And so that started out as our initial slant. Um, When we had those 120 readers way back when, our biggest appeal was that we published a section called American Breadwinners in Europe. And so if you had a mare who had a foal and you sold her at Keeneland July the year before for $100,000 and she was bought by someone in England, they would take that horse away and you never heard what happened to the horse after that. Right. So in, through our American Breadwinners in England, people would read and say, oh, my goodness, my mare's foal won yesterday and now my mare is worth more and his full brother is worth more. And that was really our appeal early on was that we would – basically let you know in a 15-minute read what your investments in the industry are worth. Now, as time has gone on, we've sort of expanded our appeal. Um, We're the only place in the industry where you can watch race replay videos from around the world. So if you miss the Arc de Triomphe, you sit down at your computer, you go on to TDN.com, and you can watch it uh, with the click of a button, and there's no place else you can do that. So our appeal has really broadened more uh, to include fans as well. But, you know, at the very heart of it, we're still the commercial industry's must-read. And those are, by the way, kind words from Ray, our competition. So it's really nice to hear that Ray reads us every day as well. We like to well, think everyone does. <laughs> I think it's shared information, and part of his job is to go around the world and try to find where the stories are, and I guess if he can find some from you, uh, to why not? Well, I'll just say uh, your people have to be amazingly busy because as I uh, go across your site, number one, everything's updated so quickly, but uh, it's, it's just amazing how, especially this time of year, how many different uh, sales are going on, and they're just they're going crazy with the Galileos over in Europe, aren't they? It, it, you, it feels like you can lead a Galileo into the ring, and it's a home run every time. It's the most remarkable thing. You know, last week at the Goss Orby sale, they sold one for 2.85 million euros, and everyone said, oh, my goodness, that's, you know, that's the sale of the year. That's the highest-priced European yearling in God knows how long. And it only took a couple of days for that to be completely obliterated at the Tattersall sale, where Was's full sister sold for five million euros or five million guineas, rather, uh, just the other day. So it's is that, uh, is that about eight million know, in our money? I'm sorry. Is that about eight million in American dollars? Uh, it's a little over eight million. Yeah, the guinea is worth one point zero five pounds. So yeah, but I think it was eight point six seven was the. Uh, dollars was the official total for that. It's it's a lot of money any way you look at it. Well, it'll be fun to be watching over the next year or two, but here is, a, is I pulled up uh, uh, t- today's edition. I look, very fresh news. A, f- a friend of mine owns a piece of this nice little horse called In Lingerie, and it looks like she'll be the first grade one winning mare, actually the first mare in North America to be sold in stud to Frankel, and God only knows as hot as Galileo is, how hot Frankel's going to get in the years to come. It's, you know, he's obviously over the past couple of years was the most interesting story in racing, and it's going to be, uh, you know, it's it's good news for for the business, really. Um, the Keeneland sale was so strong, uh, the Goff sale was strong, Tattersall's was strong, and we expect that to continue into, into Keeneland November, and, uh, you know, Hope that the trickle down theory is correct, right? Absolutely, uh, all, all the way to some of the little guys. A, a healthy industry is a healthy industry. Um, yeah. Are, are you finding now? You, 
people don't have to subscribe to to you know a hard copy. They they can just go to thoroughbreddailynews.com uh, to get everything we're talking about. Correct? Yeah, we literally. Um you know, we didn't know it at the time, but we were sort of at the forefront of, of digital media. Um, we have never um, printed, shipped, mailed uh, any copies of the paper. Back in the day, we'd have people call us up and say, well, can you send it to me by mail? And we'd say, no, you can get it on the fax, and that's the only way you can get it. Um, around uh, 2000, we transitioned into a downloadable PDF um, and that's where we remain today. And the nice thing about the downloadable PDF is, you know, you could scour the Internet all day long to learn everything you need to know. And we like to say that our paper is finishable. You start on page one, you finish on page 25, and you can walk through the rest of the day knowing that you know everything you need to know in the commercial thoroughbred industry for the day. So, um, you know, we really were the first people who were only Internet-based. Um, and yet the nice thing about the downloadable PDF is that you can still print it and hand it out at horse sales and everybody's ad is in the right place, the pictures are in the right, are in the right place and, you know, you can't do that with a lot of other digital publications. So, um, it's, uh, you know, we're, for now at least we're, we're sticking with the downloadable PDF as it's really served us well. Well, Sue Finley, it's been great to hear your voice again. You're doing an outstanding job with the Thoroughbred Daily News. Again, I ask our listenership to check it out. It's the thoroughbreddailynews.com. Everything you want to know around the globe about thoroughbred racing is right there at your keyboard. Sue, thanks so much for uh, being on the show, and say hi to Bill for me. And it's free, John. I'll point that out. It's absolutely free. And I will say hi to Bill. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That was Sue Finley from the Thoroughbred Daily News. We're going to take a little bit of a break here on Winning Ponies. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to John McDoolin from the Daily Racing Forum. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right, and with me, one of our most popular guests and a, a guy I love to talk to and like to watch handicapping. He pretty much uh, is not a one-trick pony. He plays the horses from coast to coast, so I know he's watched a lot of the races that uh, that we handicap here on the show and that we featured on the show last week that are going to have uh, Breeders' Cup implications. We're going to be talking to Daily Racing Forum columnist and handicapper John McDoolan. John, how are you, my friend? Doing great, Mr. Engelhardt. How are you today? Oh, Mr. Engelhardt. Am I showing my Mr. age? Mr. Engelhardt. <laughs> no, you know, gotta give respect where it's, where it's due. Well, um, I'm going to hit on a couple of the races that that we already uh, gave the results on. I just want to kind of kind of get your feedback. Uh, you, you know, uh, there's a Keeneland over the weekend, and I must say, uh, uh, it was one of the biggest torrential downpours I, I ever saw. I really thought that they might even, you know, postpone the race. But nonetheless, they uh, they sent him out on the turf for uh, the, uh, the the first lady, and it continued to rain through the rest of the day. All right, the first one I'm going to talk about is a race that was not impacted by the weather, and that was the Thoroughbred Club of America with the uh, heartbreaking upset of Groupie Doll. Um, do you think that she, you know, she's not really a six-for-long horse. She had only run the distance once, even though she's a five-year-old mare. Uh, do you think that that distance cost her the race, or maybe she's off her game a little? You know, I, I, I think it was the distance. Um, you know, she she ran a good race. Um, you know, Judy the Beauty and Gypsy Robin. Gypsy Robin, I, I liked that horse for quite a while. That, I, I think that was one of the horses that, uh, that Wesley Ward brought to uh, – the river to work before they went to um was it Judy? I'm uh, over to ask it was Judy the Beauty. I'm trying to remember which one of them but but uh you know I, the, those are both pretty tough horses. Show I got beat a length and three quarters. Um you know I I, I think it was the distance. I I you know everybody throws in a clunker once in a while. Um the secretary got beat so um <laughs> you know and I'm not comparing her to secretary obviously but I'm just saying every you know, they're, they're horses. They're not machines, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not worried about it. I think she'll do fine. I, I hope so because, uh, you know, her, her connections, uh, Buff Bradley and his dad and their partners, I mean, to think about people that have, like, a 12-horse a operation in Frankfurt, Kentucky, to come up with two horses like Brass Hat and Groupie Doll uh, on just a small family farm, it's pretty amazing. It's a great story, and you can just kind of tell everybody at the track what it was, was pulling for those guys. So uh, the, the other thing is that uh, it's already been announced that uh, Breeders' Cup is going to be her last race, and she's going to be going through the uh, – November mix sale at Keeneland, so it's really with a heavy heart that uh, uh, they'll be racing her for the last time in the Breeders' Cup. But uh, nonetheless, that's the story of Groupie Doll. Uh, then it was a story of the mile that wasn't. As I said, the, the rains came down very hard at Keeneland, and because of that, uh, the Shadwell Turf Mile became the Shadwell Poly Track Mile and a 16th. And Silver Max, who's a known speedball, went from flag fall to that's all surprisingly at seven to one. But perhaps it's because everybody in the house uh, was uh, betting Wise Dan the horse of the year, and justifiably so. I believe going for his tenth straight win in a row. Is this a case where the conditions and the change in uh, distance cost him his best race? I thought most definitely. I, you know, going to a mile at 16th, I think a mile's his best distance. And, 
you know, switching to uh, the, the poly track and, and off the turf, I think that, uh, and, and, you know, you don't, you don't have the torrential downpour, um, you know, affected all of, I'm sure the, you know, the, the, the weather changing like that, I'm sure it affected all the horses. Um, you know, it could have been that, like I said, you know, same thing with groupie dog. Every horse is, you know, they can't win all of them. You, you like for them too, especially when you bet them. But, um, um, you know, you got to be the length of the quarter. Um, I, I think it was, you know, putting back on the turf will be fine. Well, I hope so, too. I mean, he looked the picture of health, and Chuck Lepresti's such a class act. He's done such an amazing job with this horse. And, you know, the six-year-old gelding, he's kept him so fit. I'm really hoping that uh, he does well in the Breeders' Cup and that we get to see him race through seven and, and maybe eight years, as we're seeing with uh, with some of the horses, uh, you know, just like the, the horses they're going to meet in the Pacific Classic, <laughs> Pacific Classic. The, the Classic on Breeders' Cup Day. We're seeing a lot of these older horses being kept to training. Of course, some of them being geldings will have to, uh, but just right. nice to see them maintaining their level uh, at the top of the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's great for the game. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of young people getting back into it, um, into racing. I, you know, I've been in Indiana Downs now, and there's a lot of young people there um, in the stands. When you go to Keeneland, that you see, you know, that's mostly what you see is. You know, a lot of college kids running around, and, and when those older horses keep running and, and they start running about it more and, you know, remember, oh, I saw this horse run here, or, you know, I, I think it kind of gets them hooked on the game and, and maybe we can get this thing, uh, you know, turned around and, and, and get, it, get it things on the upswing. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're going to handicap uh, on that very vein a, a couple of races from the best of Ohio. And as I spoke to you earlier, they, they've upped the purse on every one of those races. So it might be reason for the people uh, to, to, get, to get back into that game. Well, uh, real quick, you, you brought up Indiana. I believe you guys were, were, were victims. You were there uh, of some of the uh, bad weather we had over the weekend. Uh, the Indiana Oaks, it looked like uh, Bob Baffert was going to do a uh, Oaks Derby double. Uh, odds on 50 shades of hay ended up running third uh how impressive was uh pure fun of course some pretty darn good connections there last race was the kentucky oaks and it was kenny mcpeak i don't know how he finds these horses for about twenty thousand dollars and then is able to win a half a million with them yeah, he's great at that i mean he, you know i'm i'm you remember when he went to be, you know, went to Bloodstock, and I, I would have thought he would have done great in that, because like you said, he's, he's great. Jeff Greenhill, uh, we were talking earlier up here, he's another one that seems to find those twenty dollars to $30,000 horses that, and, and, you know, they make a couple hundred thousand. That's, I mean, that's every person that buys a horse's dream. Um, and Kenny McPeak is one of the best at it. I mean, you know, you look at his horses, and they're, and they're always, I, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever seen one for 50000 and they're always, you know, I mean, they're running graded stakes, and, and he, he can pick them, that's for sure. Yeah, well, he picked Pure Fun, and I guess Pure Fun came from last to first in the slop at uh, at Indiana Downs. Uh, Fifty Shades of Hay, it might have been the change of uh, of track or whatever, but uh, certainly she looked like the one to beat with the company she'd been keeping, and she's a pretty good shipper, too, but nonetheless upset there. But Baffert did get the job done in the following race, the grade two Indiana Derby, half a million dollars up for grabs. Uh, Power Broker looked pretty good. I managed to catch the last half of that race, and he looked pretty strong. Yeah, he got a little bit of trouble um, at the top of the stretch. The horse came out, he had a steady little bit. He still drew off and won by, I don't know, two length and a quarter, two lengths. I don't remember exactly, but um, 
Um, Martin Garcia went up there to ride, and I mean, it, you know, you couldn't ask for more. And he was kind of a tepid favorite. I think he ended up paying like seven twenty or something. So, um, you know, good, good price on him. If you know, for people that bet him. Yeah, especially when you go back and you look at the company this horse has been keeping. Okay, he's won three of his last four races. The only horse he lost to during that period was Verrazano in the grade one Haskell. That's pretty damn good company. Yeah, it is, and that's what I mean. You know, and, and for the price that he paid, it was great. Up, so you say Shades of Hay was like a uh, one to two favorite or something, and and she got beat, and then uh, Baffert comes back with that horse and wins it, um, and pretty impressively. So uh, we'll, we'll uh, see where he heads with her next. I'm sure it'll be. Um, I don't know if it took the key, but I didn't get to talk to him um, after the race. I was a little busy doing the charts, but. Um, you know, they, there's so many places to go now. I was talking to one of the trainers the other day, and, you know, between, uh, you know, with Prescott and Indiana, uh, the purse is so big there, um, and parks and uh, even Mountaineer. I mean, there's so many places that you can go and run for, for pretty substantial money. Well, one place you can go is in Lexington on Saturday, the Queen Elizabeth II Challenge Cup, a grade one. 400,000 up for grabs, a mile and an eighth on the grass, and uh, should be an interesting race. There's some good angles in here. Uh, It's kind of like if you like the the, the favorite alter right, then you got to kind of like 12 to 1 Conchise, who only finished a length and a half behind her in, in the Garden City. I don't know if that's the way to go or not, or do you go with a horse that's owned by the Ramses by Kitten's Joy, because that's almost a sure thing anytime they touch a blade of grass. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Those, uh, how they've been doing with a Kitten's Joy. I mean, like you said, it, I, I think um, the other day we had a horse that, that won, and I, uh, I thought, well, this looks like Ramses' uh, silks, and, and the horse wasn't named Kitten, so I thought, well, you know, it can't be his, but, but it was. I think they've run out of Kitten names. They They have so many of them. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, emotional kitten, Wesley Ward, um, has that for the Ramses in there. I like the horse in there. Um, it's kind of a long shot. 10 to one in the morning line. James Graham gets up on say the Irish bread. Um, Aiden O'Brien trains it. Um, blinkers on this time. Was well, really great over in Great Britain, Ireland. Um, kind of doing a clunker here. October fifth, but yeah, yeah but that was John. That was, the track, the, uh, that was is, the rainstorm uh, race, which is great. And from what I hear, the horse um, got nothing out of that race. That's why it ran so bad. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened, but um, I don't know if it was a yielding or, or or what the deal was, but certainly didn't run very good there. And so I guess he said, you know, let, let's let's try her back this week. Yeah, yeah, they're turning her right back because she got nothing out of that race in the rainstorm. I mean, never ran a jump, broke from the one hole. But, uh, you know, again, for a nine-horse field, there's a lot of talent in there, and it's going to be uh, interesting to see uh, see what pops up. Anything can happen in the QE2, and, again, that's going to be run at Keeneland. All right, let's go from Keeneland to New York, take a quick look at the Knickerbocker. Uh, it's a grade three. 
race has been around for 54 years, and sometimes there's a, there's a horse you want to just keep betting till the darn thing wins, and that's the case with me and Boisterous. I've, this horse has been its own worst enemy uh, since the Sword Dancer, uh, where uh, just you know put it in a box, and then the same thing happened uh, last time. Javier Castellano gets the mount because Johnny V's going to be someplace else. Um, I'm looking at Boisterous in this race, but there's a couple other horses that, that like uh, Belmont in there, an exclusive strike and plain view. What are you looking at, John? You know, I, I'm, I'm with you on Boisterous. Um, he had trouble in the last couple races. Um, the beaten favorite won two in a row before that. Uh, the grade two, uh, Monmouth, and then the Man of War had Belmont over a good track, one a mile and three eighths. Um, you know, Chuck McGee trains the horse. He, uh, he, he's got one win up there so far, so it looks like it's about time for him to win. Um, the work since that last race, um, had a bullet work. There's only one of four on September 23rd over the turf, um, with the dogs up, but, uh, I really like that horse. It's won three out of five at the distance. It's won six out of ten at Belmont. Um, that's that, you know, it's a horse for course. Um, I you know, seven to two would be great if you can get that on. But I got a feeling it'll be uh, a little bit less than that. Well, I'm almost thinking breaking from the outside post might help because maybe you have a little less chance to just kind of stay outside, stay clear, and not get into trouble. Well, it looks like my producer Justin's telling me I'm in trouble because I'm not going to get to a break unless I shut my pie hole here for a minute. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to be looking at the best of Ohio. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me from the Daily Racing Forum, 
a columnist and a handicapper extraordinaire, one John McDoolin. And I know uh, myself and John, we've cut our teeth on a lot of Ohio breads over the years. And John's very familiar with the, the horses that will be running in what is basically the Breeders' Cup for Ohio breads. And uh, there's going to be a, a series uh, of, of races up there, uh, two juveniles, a sprint, and then we're going to go on with the older horses, some that I think are great examples of why getting involved in a closed state program can be extremely beneficial to you when you see the earnings on some of these horses that came from Ohio, which really have suffered from very small full crops over the last couple of years. I think you're going to see that change, and I think uh, we're seeing part of that, John, uh, on Saturday where the purses have been boosted on every single Best of Ohio race. Yeah, I mean, some of them have doubled. I think the sprint last year was 50000 It's 100000 this year. All, all five of them are 100000 which, I mean, that's uh, for hybrids, that's great. And I, I talked to uh, Tim Hamm. Did an article today. I guess it'll be in for Saturday. Um, they decided back in January that they were going to raise the purse to trying to get uh, people involved. And in, I guess the casino money started to kick in a little bit, and uh, they're trying to get people involved in Ohio racing and, and the breeding end of it. They figured if they raised the purses, maybe catch some people's eyes. <clears throat> Excuse me, and they'd start uh, start breeding some some Ohio bred horses. So. Um, you know, things are things are finally picking up. Somebody told me today that the uh, the finish line was put up at River Downs in the last day or two. Um, they're starting to put up the rail, but the finish line is there, so that's the main thing we need. Yeah, I've, I've been down there on a weekly basis, and uh, they're putting in the nice uh, the nice safety rail, uh, putting in a slew of brand new outdoor barns. Uh, so, from what I've heard from uh, Willie Kester who's on the racing commission, he said that they've really raised the bar uh, for the state of Ohio as far as amenities uh, for the horses. Well, we'll be looking at Thistledown. Again, I really like handicap and state-bred programs because you can really compare apples to apples. And for an example, we'll start out with the Best of Ohio Distaff. Uh, again, uh, the, the top four horses that are coming out of the scarlet and gray are going to be in this field. And before I go to that, we were just talking about reasons why you want to race in the state program. Let me take a quick look at some of these horses. Blazing Bling, 15 starts, 182,000. Caviar and Champagne, 24 starts, 220,000. How about starting something, a five-year-old mare, 447,000. And pay the man, Ohio's iron horse, why they keep her in training, I scratch my head, but she's won over a million dollars. Not too bad for a little old Buckeye bread, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something else. And she's won it uh, um, all over the country. Whereas uh, Cat Launch, I think just about every race, he might have, might have broke his maid at uh, Mountaineer, but most of his races were in, uh, were in Ohio, uh, you know, against Ohio breads. And he, he, I think it was like a million three or something. He ended up... Uh, uh, earning in his career, so it, I mean, it, I mean, you go on Stamp Queen, uh, which is a horse I like in there. Uh, Dougie Cowan's horse, well, seven starts, ninety-one thousand. I mean, that's uh, that's not bad for, like you said, a little old Ohio bred. Yeah, uh, Stamp Queen uh, uh, this year, three starts, two wins. Seemed to really get a wake-up call and an optional claiming. One by seventeenth. And then uh, Brian Hernandez came into town at Beulah Park. You don't see him there too often. And uh, under a very well-rated ride, uh, 
Stamp Queen beat both Pay the Man and Uptown Gale. But you got to admit, John, Pay the Man at Thistledown, 18 victories. <laughs> There's hardly a horse in North America that can claim they've got 18 wins at a single track. Great, right, 18 for 28. And she's won uh, 8 of 14 at the distance. But been out of the money at the Byron Ace distance only once in her, in her, you know, in her career. So, um, you know, she's always tough. She's, uh, that, you know, I'm just looking. She's only got one win on the year, which kind of, and that win came in the last out at a six furlong in the Scarlet and Gray that you mentioned. Um, I just think Stan Queen. But I think so with Stan Queen. She's been off since August 11th, coming back running a mile and eighth um, after that long of a layoff. Um, I mean, Dougie can get them ready, but uh, there's some pretty talented horses in here. Um, but there's not that huge, huge amount of speed. So I'm thinking maybe uh, uh, Deshaun Parker's coming in to ride. Brian Hernandez rode last time. He's married to uh, Jake Radosevich's daughter, so I'm sure there was some, some sort of family function. And uh, <laughs> he probably came in town for that. But, um, you know, there's not a ton of speed in there. I think maybe uh, it, it'll be that horse and caviar and champagne, maybe go to the front and uh, uh, run with Blazing Bling, and, and hopefully um, she'll come out on top. Well, we'll find out. I do notice that people kind of gave up on Pay the Man last year, this time of the year, after she put in, uh, uh, you know, a, a clunker and the Rose de Bartolo. Then all of a sudden she came back uh, and uh, won the Best of Ohio Distaff at 8-1. to one. I'm sure a lot of people were happy to cash a ticket on Pay the Man at 8-1. to one. Um, Well, we got about three minutes left here, John, just to give you an idea of what we're talking about as we go into our, our final race on winningponies.com. We're talking to John McDoolan, the Daily Racing Forum. This is the Best of Ohio Endurance, 100,000 on the line. They're going a mile and a quarter. And what's interesting is the top, talk about horses that are still around, the top three finishers in the Ohio Endurance from last year are all back in the field this year. You know, that's great. I mean, uh, I'm pretty fired up about that. I think it makes it a little bit easier to handicap. Um, I, and I'm going to go with a three-year-old against the older horses. Yes. Uh, my, my, my favorite trainer and, and my favorite jockey, uh, Jeff Greenhill and Lori Weidick with Silver Tongue. Um, of course, last time out, first time in a mile and a quarter was at the Governor's Buckeye Cup up at uh, Thistle. Um, she was closing late, but just a little bit too late. Um, she went off at even, uh, he, he went off, I'm sorry, he went off at even money. Um, you know, looks to be improving. Um, I'm going to go with Silvertongue, 9 to 2 on the morning line. I think maybe you'll get a little bit, uh, I, I think his odds might float a little bit higher than that. Well, all I could say is uh, it was one of the most thrilling races I'd, I'd seen all year uh, prior to this horse going into uh, the Ohio Derby. Again, it is a three-year-old taking on its elders, uh, but uh, Silver Tongue in the Cleveland Gold Cup, John, it was unbelievable. If you go back and look at the replay, I'm talking to my listeners now. I know you've seen the race. You literally cannot even see the horse in the picture on the wide screen down the back stretch. This horse was so far out of it, it put in one of the most thrilling stretch run, runs under Lori Wyduck, uh that I'd seen in years. I guess the only problem, and I've talked to Jeff about this horse, is he's like, John, there's nothing I can do about this horse's running style. If I try to push him up in there, he's not just not going to have it. He says he does what he does, so I just tell Lori, 
ride him like he wants to run, and it's going to be exciting to see if he can run down these older horses in here. Yeah, I, I looked. I mean, I think there's plenty of speed in there for him to chase, and I, you know, I think he can do it. He, you know, he likes this. So he's won uh, two or four up there with a with a second. Um, one hundred and three of his hundred and ten thousand dollars at Thistle. Um, I just think the one the, the juvenile last year um, won the Cleveland Gold Cup this year. I think um, I think he's in a perfect spot to uh, to win uh, the endurance. And this is another horse we talked about earlier, Jeff. Um, this horse he paid seventeen thousand for him. He's a three year old. He's won one hundred and ten thousand. So. Um, all right. Well, all right. Jeff Greenhill certainly is hot. Had two stakes wins over at Indiana with full siblings over the weekend. Looks like it's time for us to check out here. John McDoolin from the Daily Racing Forum, thanks so much for joining us on Winning Ponies. Thank you, John. I had a great time as always. All right. Well, that, that was uh, Johnny Mack. I also want to thank Sue Finley from the Thoroughbred Daily News. And uh, if you want to expand your knowledge of Thoroughbred Racing, I highly advise that you check out their site. It's a really good one. It'll expose you to racing around the world. Well, for my producer, Justin, and all the race fans out there, remember, if you take a loved one to the races this weekend, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.